And then remain standing this morning for our scripture, our text for the message from Matthew chapter 14. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Though when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our kids can be dismissed. There's programming down the hall for them. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for being here at Community Christian Church. We are glad that you are here to worship with us today. We are in the middle of a series where we're just looking at prayers that God will always say yes to. These are prayers where the answer is not maybe. The answer is not not now. The answer is not no. These are prayers he says yes to not just sometimes, not just most times, or not just once in a while, but these are prayers that God says yes to all the time. Now, when I say that, you might roll your eyes a little bit, but it's not a gimmick. There's a spiritual treasure chest that is available for every one of us in the room today, and very few of us really ever open it. And so that's what this series is about. This is a challenge to begin to pray these little prayers that God always says yes to and just see what happens in your life. Instead of denying or debating or dismissing the idea, uh, what do you have to lose at the end of the day, right? Let's, let's just pray these prayers and stand back and see what God, the good Father, does in our life. And so today's prayer is in the middle of one of the more exciting scenes in the life of Jesus and his disciples, and you can easily pass it by. As a matter of fact, we did pass it by because some of you who have been around all summer, you're uh, reading, we're reading this text and you're like, uh, wait a minute, we were just here. And you're right, we, we just covered this text in the middle of our VBS series. But what we did not cover was the prayer right in the middle. It's easy to skip by. And we did that. Peter is outside the boat. Jesus has called him out. And he is sinking. And he just says these three words. Lord, save me. That's it. That's the prayer. And it's a prayer that we can make our own easily, even if we've never prayed before. And so... What I want to do today is just spend a, a little time thinking about, about Peter first, and then about this prayer specifically. First, uh, just a few things about Peter. Uh, first, he's out of the boat. Uh, if you remember the story, um, he is in the boat, and Jesus is, comes walking on the water, and they're not really sure who it is, and Peter has this little dialogue with Jesus that ends up in... Peter, come out of the boat. 
And so Peter got out of the boat. And so he's not in church. He's not in his normal place of private prayer, wherever that might have been. He is in the middle of the ocean, and he's sinking. What does that tell us? It tells us that prayer can be done from anywhere, anywhere. If you have a pattern or a place for prayer, uh, maybe a place that you go to or a time that, you, that works for you, that's, that's wonderful. Most of us would agree that the ideal kind of prayer spot would be something along the lines of a, a mountain cabin in an evergreen forest by a freshwater spring, right? That's where we want, that's where we envision spending time in prayer. But if we wait for that perfect prayer spot, guess what? We'll never pray. While it's good to have that designated time, that designated spot, it's also good to remember that prayer is meant to happen anywhere. The freedom of prayer is that God hears us from any place at any time. Daniel prayed in the lion's den. Jonah prayed in the fish's stomach. Elijah prayed in the desert. Jesus prayed on the cross. And here Peter prays as he's about to drown. Wherever we seek him, he is found, and every place is hallowed ground. You didn't know you'd get 18th century poetry when you came today, right? But there it is. Here's another thing about Peter. He's already sinking when he prays. He's already sinking. When we fall into desperate hours, one excuse that we can make is, well, I'm already too far gone. I mean, there's no use praying now. Maybe if I had prayed to start, but... I'm in so deep now that I, I re- there's really no use to go to God about it. And the answer is no. Peter is up to his knees, maybe up to his waist, maybe even up to his neck in the water. But it's not too late for him to cry, Lord, save me. And the hands of Jesus are there to lift him up. Satan might tell you that it's no use to cry out. It's impossible. It's a lost cause. But the truth is that nothing is too hard for the Lord, and so cry out anyway. It is never too late to pray. Here's another thing about Peter. He responded to this very naturally, as anyone would. Now, I'm not saying there, there wasn't some panic in his uh, demeanor or, or some yelling going on, right, in the middle of the storm. But whatever fear there might have been, Peter's cry was what it, in whatever natural tone of voice the situation called for. And so a lot of us, when we are called to pray, we're compelled to, to flower up our prayers. We, we, we try to sprinkle in some fine language, some crisp word picture that no one's ever thought of before. Maybe even we inflect our voices in some dramatic way to the point that it's quite unnatural. Oh, ineffable and inexhaustible, almighty, efficacious Lord. Right? All of a sudden we become a thesaurus. Peter's in a place that all that comes out is earnestness, right? His desire to escape. He doesn't have time to think about synonyms or syntax or about words that flow well together or rhymes. His prayer comes out in the most natural passion, in the simplest manner possible. It is simple language. Lord, save me. And that's the way we should pray. Just like we would talk to a friend. And so this prayer that he prays has been... uh, Let me put it this way. It's been chopped up and diagnosed kind of to death over the centuries since it was penned. 
And there are a lot of insights given about this little prayer over the years. And so let me just give you a few of those that people have come up with, people that are way smarter than me. Here's the first observation. It's short. (laughs) Did you notice that? It's just three words. Lord, save me. Sometimes the best prayers are the shortest. Effective prayers don't necessarily need a lot of words. Sometimes we think they do. Sometimes we think, unless I prayed for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour, then I haven't really prayed. That's not true at all. Brief words can still be meaningful words. And it's the brevity of this prayer that helps us with another issue that sometimes we have with prayer. Maybe you have been guilty of saying something like this. Well, I don't have time for prayer. And when we say that, we kind of know what we mean, right? We mean that we don't have time to do it right. We don't have time to go to that special place, that mountain cabin by the spring. We don't have time to get on our knees. We don't have time to open up the scripture for the right words. And then we don't have time to spend five or 10 or 30 minutes to how, or hours to have a chat with God. We, there's not enough time for that. And here's what this little prayer does. It dissolves that objection. Because it's three words. Three words. Everyone in the room has time for three words. And so I apologize. I am forever taking that excuse away from you. You never again in your life will you be able to say, I don't have time to pray. Because prayer can just be three words. When you pray, rather let your heart be without words than your words without heart. Prayer is not a matter of time or words, it's a matter of our heart, and if we have the heart to pray, then we will find the time to pray, and words will come. And with little prayers like this, little three words, it won't be long before you're really praying all the time, because this little three-word prayer is a model, and as a matter of fact, it's permission for countless other little prayers that we can pray just like it. Maybe it's not, Lord, save me, maybe it's, Lord, give me light. Maybe we're walking into a situation and it's, Lord, give me more grace. Maybe it's, Lord, kill my temper right now. Lord, show me what to do. Lord, direct me. Lord, give me the words. Lord, would you help me to love? Lord, save me. Don't let anyone ever tell you that those aren't real prayers. Don't let you tell you that those aren't real prayers. Oh, you're not really praying. Of course you are. You can pray in the elevator between floors, just like Peter prayed in the ocean. This little prayer covers everything. This little phrase, Lord, save me. It says everything Peter needed to say at the time that he was sinking. But it's also so comprehensive that it can be used in so many different ways and on so many different occasions that If this were the only prayer that Peter would have ever prayed for the rest of his life, he couldn't have done much better. I want you to think about some of the scenes that are yet to play out in the life of Peter. There's this time at the Last Supper where Jesus will tell Peter, Satan is going to sift you like wheat tonight. He's going to chew you up and spit you out, Peter. What a great time for this little prayer, Lord, save me. After they disbanded from supper that night, they did go out 
And Peter said, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I'm telling you, I don't know the man. Three times he denies Jesus just like he vowed he would never do. And he went out after he realized what he had done. He goes out weeping. What a perfect time for Lord, save me. Later, he's preaching the gospel of Jesus, who he's seen resurrected. He's preaching the gospel who, to people who refuse to hear it, and they lock him up in jail, and that prayer still works. Lord, save me, even from a jail cell. Later, he's writing letters to people who had followed Jesus. He's trying to encourage them to hang on to their faith in Jesus, and he needs just the right words. What a great prayer. Lord, Save me. And at the end of his life, as Peter is being led out to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus, his Lord, there couldn't have been a better prayer. Lord, save me. And all I'm saying is, if this little prayer would have worked for the rest of Peter's life, then it will work for the rest of your life. If, if you never utter a prayer for the rest of your life other than this one. That's not what I'm recommending, by the way. But if it works out that way, you could do worse. I've got more month than money. I don't want to be bitter or discontented. Lord, save me. Man, I have a windfall of cash. <laughs> and I don't want this paper to take my heart. Lord, Save me. I'm not as close to God as I once was. I think my friends have too much influence over my life. Lord, save me. Man, it's too easy to click on that link. And when I do click there, I know where it's going to take me. Lord, save me. Satan is pointing his finger at me again, telling me what a disgrace I am. And I'm beginning to believe it. Lord, save me. I've gotten the worst news that I could possibly get today. I'm heartbroken. I'm lost. Lord, Save me. Do you see how it fits wherever and whenever in a storm, on a sunny day, when you're weak, when you're strong, if you believe and if you don't? Maybe the only way that we could improve on this little prayer is if we twisted it just a bit and we changed the word me to the word them. Because sometimes maybe those same kind of situations that we just went through apply to my kids or my friends, or my neighbors, or my coach, or my boyfriend, or my boss, or my class, or my coworkers, or my group. If so, Lord, save them. This prayer is to the point. Last week, we talked about using the Lord's Prayer as a model for prayer, and in that prayer, each phrase can be used to remind us of a topic that we should probably always be talking about with God. And so there are seven of those if we go down through the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't take uh, too long to realize that praying that through and seven topics, that's going to take some time. Well, Peter, out in the middle of the ocean, doesn't have that kind of time. The water is climbing up his torso, and he doesn't have time to think of all the ways to address God as Father and fashion a list of all the names of God to begin his prayer and then to pray God's agenda first and then to get his heart right with God and with other people. He was in dire need, and so he goes straight to the point of his need. Lord, save me. And there are times that in prayer we just need to dispense with all the dancing around the subject and just get to it. There's no need to wander around the house. Just go up and knock on the door already. That's what Peter does. 
And Peter, Peter's prayer helps us to get directly to the heart of the matter. Lord, save me. Whatever it is, just out with it. God knows it already. You won't surprise him. Say it directly and specifically name it. And getting to the point also helps us. Man, it's helped me this last week when I didn't know how to pray. We got a text uh, our family did this last week of a close friend who is part of our family, extended family, and uh, who was diagnosed with leukemia. And he is, uh, it's the bad kind. Uh, there's 25% chance of survival, and he is as healthy as you can be, and he doesn't feel bad at all, but now he is sinking. And as I read that text, I had a heavy heart, right, this, this week, because these people are close to us, and I didn't have words. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to pray, and even, even now, today, the words that I'm trying to form in my, in my prayers feel inadequate, they feel insufficient, and so, Lord, save him. Lord, save him. That, that prayer is filling in the holes, and maybe it's the simplest and best right-to-the-point prayer that we can pray. This prayer is the gospel. Peter's called out of the boat by Jesus. Jesus has seen his disciples struggling against the wind and the waves and the rain, and he goes out to them to help, but they're in the middle of the of Sea of Galilee, and he's on the land, and so that's no problem if you are the Son of God. He just doesn't get in his own boat. He just goes, walks straight out to them without sinking. The text says he's walking to them on the water, and that's a word that could mean that he was taking a stroll on the water. And so here's Jesus calmly, like it's nothing, take a, taking a stroll out to his disciples on the water, through the wind and through the waves. And that picture tells us that Jesus is in absolute control. The most uncontrollable forces on the planet Earth have absolutely no power over him. He's over the storm. He's walking on the storm. And then there's some dialogue that takes place between the disciples and Jesus. And the next thing you know, Jesus says to Peter, come out of the boat, come to me. As in, get out of the boat and walk on the water just like I am walking on the water. I want you to think about that invitation just for a second. Um, Lord, you know that I said I'd follow you, but uh, there's this thing called gravity. And man, getting out of the boat... Getting out of the boat was the most ridiculous thing that Peter could possibly have done in that moment. And yet, at the very same time, it's the absolute safest because Jesus had commanded it. And, G and Peter knew that the closer he was to Jesus, the more he followed the commands of Jesus, the better off he would be. And so right then, with the storm still raging, Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water just like Jesus and his water-walking experience is going well until it isn't. Jesus tells Peter later why he begins to sink. Jesus uses the word doubt. The, the word literally means to be divided in two. And the text tells us what divided Peter's attention. It was this. He saw the wind. When he was looking at Jesus, Peter walks on the water without issue. And it means that Jesus' power over the storm is transferred to Peter as long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus. But after a while, he can't do that any longer. He loses focus. He begins to think about all of the things that could go wrong, all of the disaster that the wind could bring, and he doubts. And his thoughts are no longer on Jesus alone, but now they're divided in two, right? 
And he begins to think about the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink. And whenever our thinking is divided in two, it's generally because we've given the storm that we're going through too much credit and Jesus too little. Peter does absolutely the right thing once he knows that he's sinking. He cries out. He doesn't wait until he was drowning to yell out. When he began to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. It's probably one of the hardest things that we will ever do is to come to the conclusion that we are sinking in the pit of sin and that we cannot swim out of it ourselves. We cannot tread the waters of sin to stay alive. We cannot just float in sin. We want so desperately to find our own way out of sin. We want to reform ourselves. We want to change ourselves. We want to make ourselves fit for heaven. And the reality is that we can never do it. We will never be able to rescue ourselves from drowning in sin. We need help. And that's the hard conclusion that every one of us has to reach. Peter has no inclination here that he can somehow save himself. He doesn't try to tread water. He doesn't try to swim back to the boat himself. He knows the danger he's in. He sees the waves crashing around him, and the confidence in himself is futile, and he says, Lord, save me. I can't save myself. At some point in the journey, we have to come to that same place. God, I'm sinking. I see that there's no way out of this by myself. I need you to save me. Save me in the way that you prescribe. My ideas about how to get out of this don't matter. If I am saved by the blood of Jesus, then Lord, save me. If it's by the work of the Holy Spirit that makes me new, then Lord, save me. If it's in the waters of baptism where sin is forgiven and I'm born again and I'm united with Christ and given his robes of righteousness, then Lord, save me. If the work of salvation is only a work that you can do and only by your grace and I can't lift a finger to help, then here I am, I'm reaching out, Lord, save me. And that's the simple little prayer is the gospel itself. I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. Lord, save me. And if that's the gospel, this little prayer, then there are a couple of additional insights that we know for sure. Number one, that it's personal. It's a personal prayer. Peter wasn't thinking as he was sinking of anyone but Peter. He wasn't worried about the other disciples back in the boat. At the moment Maybe they were praying. Maybe they were crying out. It did not matter. Peter did not listen. Peter did not hear them. It was only Peter that was in the water and sinking. And so it was only Peter who could pray, Lord, save me. Only you can pray this prayer for you. It is great that you are here and a part of Community Christian Church. Maybe you're still new to the whole church thing and, and Jesus thing, and you're still trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and what that even looks like. Maybe you've seen the pictures of baptisms on the screen and other people crying out and saying, Lord, save me, and maybe you feel a part of that. Maybe you get all warm and fuzzy inside as we all clap together. Maybe you've come with a friend today, and they've walked the path of Jesus for a while, and it just feels 
nice to be with someone who believes. Maybe you're becoming because your family comes and they all believe. That's all great, but what about you? What about you? See, none of those people around you can believe for you. Nobody can pray this prayer on your behalf. This prayer, when it's about salvation, is only one that you can say. Lord, save me. Would you pray that today? Everyone in this room needs to pray that for themselves. There's no such thing as authorizing someone else to procure salvation for you. You have to believe for yourself. You have to repent for yourself. You have to confess for yourself. You have to pray in the waters of baptism for yourself if you want to be saved out of sin. Would you pray for yourself what only you can pray for yourself? Lord, save me. And if it's the gospel... It's also urgent. Peter was sinking. And he didn't say to Jesus, would you save me tomorrow? Would you save me, but, but would you save me in an hour because I've got some diving to do first? No. He knew he was a goner. Lord, save me and save me now. If you don't do this now, I'm fish food at the bottom of the sea. There's this great account in the Old Testament with this little detail that is so amazing, it, it's astounding. When God had cursed Egypt with the plague of frogs, there were frogs everywhere. Pharaoh and the whole nation of Egypt found themselves neck deep in frogs. There are frogs on the floor. There are frogs in the cupboards. There are frogs in the chairs. There are frogs in the ovens. There are frogs on the steps. There are frogs in the sinks. There are frogs in their beds. And it took took about a nanosecond before Pharaoh had Moses and Aaron in front of him pleading with them for God to take away the frogs. God has plagued us with frogs. Would you pray to God and tell him to take away the frogs? Because they're everywhere. What will it take for us to get rid of the frogs? Tell God to take them away. And Moses says, okay, I will pray and God will take them away. When would you like me to tell God to take them away? And here's what Pharaoh says. You can look it up. It's in Exodus chapter 8. Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Really? Tomorrow? You're up to your neck in frogs. Do you know what he was really saying? Give me one more day with the frogs. That's what I really like. Everyone, I think likes the idea of being saved. The question is when? That's what we haven't decided yet. When will I respond to the invitation myself and be saved? If I've never done that, and the answer I give is not today, then by default, I've decided, ah, tomorrow. Give me one more day with the frogs. That's okay. There's a final thought we can say about this prayer, and it's this. It goes with our theme. The answer is yes. Lord, save me is immediately met with an outstretched hand of Jesus. Jesus reaches through the storm and pulls Peter up and saves him out of the water, and Peter gets an answer to this prayer, Lord, save me, and the answer is yes. 
And so what we're doing is looking at prayers that God always says yes to, and I'm concluding that this is one of them. Lord, save me. And here's what I believe, that the answer to that is always yes. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, that's great, Dusty. It's just not true. Come on. Lord, save me in my marriage. My marriage failed. Lord, save me in my job. I lost it. Lord, save me from my health condition. That's not going too well. I wanted the answer to be yes, but it wasn't. And so clearly God doesn't always say yes to Lord, save me. Well, I think he does. And I think he does every time. And to see through this, I think there are two ideas that you need to factor in. Number one is that God is a good father. He's a good father. Good fathers are not concerned with granting every wish and whim of their children. Good fathers are only concerned about giving their children things that will bring about their ultimate good. A father that says no to a child when she runs out in the middle of the street is really a father saying yes to the child living for another day. Continuing to live is the ultimate good. And so we have to ask, okay, if God is a good father, then what is the ultimate good that God is after for us? And in the final analysis, here it is whether or not we make it to heaven. That's it. That's what God is concerned about. Your ultimate good is not an A on the test this week. Your ultimate good is not a date with marriage material in the next two weeks. Your ultimate good is not even the healing that you've been asking for for an ailment. All of those things are fine to pray for. But the ultimate good that God is concerned with is that you find the resurrected Jesus and you live for eternity, and everything else flows out of that. 1 Timothy 2 says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so every request that we make, even this one, Lord, save me, will ultimately be filtered through that long-term goal that God has for every one of us. And so he has to think about what will an, the answer yes mean for this person's soul? What will a no answer mean for this person's soul? What will the answer mean for those around that person who will also be affected by their actions as a result of the answer? Will they be more likely to go to heaven or not if the answer is yes or if the answer is no? And so sometimes things happen that God allows that seem absolutely terrible. But we need to remember he's a good father. And sometimes... Sometimes we get to see that even in this life. Don't you have time, things that, that you have prayed for in the past, and you knew that you needed a certain answer, and you were so sure of that right answer, and God said no, and then you lived a little while, and you look back now, and you think, wow, that answer would have been the worst thing imaginable. I just didn't know it at the time. But God knew. There's a great line to consider when we think about this. God is answering our prayers in the same way we would answer our prayers if we knew everything that he knows. He's a good father. 
And so the answer today to your prayer to Lord save me might be no. But it's only so that the ultimate answer to Lord save me can be yes. God's ultimate good for you is that you know him, that you know his son, and that you are part of his family. Ultimately, Lord save me is always yes. And what might seem like a no today is a yes for eternity. Now, here's why I can say that Lord save me is always yes and say it with a straight face. Because Jesus walks into the storm. The answer of yes is guaranteed because of what Jesus does here. You see it, it's, it's the most obvious thing that Jesus does in this story. He, writes, he walks right into the waves. It's very easy to miss, but it's so clearly obvious. He, he, at first, he hasn't come to his disciples. He's separated from them. He's off on the mountain praying, and he sends them off. And he sees them fighting the wind and the waves. He sees them in the, their distress, and so he comes out to them. And in order to do that, he has to walk right into the storm, and only by walking into the storm can he save them out of the storm. And he does the same for you and me. The ultimate Jonah has come. Jesus can save us from every storm only because he threw himself into the ultimate storm. On the cross, Jesus threw himself right into the middle of the storm of God's wrath and God's justice so that we could have peace with God. He took the beating from the waves and the wind so that you and I could enjoy calm waters, and he did that for you. He walked into the waves to save you out of them. And that's why the answer to Lord save me will always, ultimately, be yes. There are a couple ways that we need to go today. For some, our pray first challenge this week is just to use this little prayer and just say, Lord, save me. What do you need saved from today? Everybody walked in here with something on their shoulders that they need saved from. Why not pray this little prayer and trust that God is a good father who knows more than we do? Maybe that's a prayer that you need some help with, and uh, we'd like to highlight our prayer corner back here, and there's someone there who will be glad to pray with you, Lord, save me today. Save me from school. (laughs) Save me from the office. Save me from my sin. Save me from this relationship, whatever it is. There's another way that we could go with this today. The pray first challenge for some of us is Lord save me for the very first time. And you have to pray that for yourself. And it's urgent and it's important and there's no reason not to pray it for yourself right now if you never have. Don't wait. Would you come and would you say for the very first time, Lord, save me from my sin. I want to live forever. God, we thank you for this little prayer. Lord, save us. Amen.